Going to talk about price tags today. Check the price tag. Uh, This is a follow-up to the last sermon that I preached called First Question. Uh, Some of you were there, were here for that as we considered the first question in the Bible. If you weren't here, let me just review briefly. Uh, What we talked about was the first question, and Satan actually asked it. He asked it in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say? That's the first question. Did God really say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. That was the first question, and we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about what that entails and the things that we learn about the nature of Satan. Uh, The reason that we fall for the first question uh, shouldn't go to the first question. We should go to the first answer, which is that God really did say something. But anyhow, that was the first question. Uh, Today, what I want to talk about is what that led to. The first question led to uh, the first tactic, if you will. Uh, In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, if we keep reading, uh, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Eve told him, yes, God said if we ate from that tree, we'd die. Satan simply said, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. And we talked about that some when we talked about the first question. Uh, But let's focus on the tactic that Satan used there. Uh, Satan's nature is to lie. Uh, That's all he does is lie. He always lies. He's the father of lies. And his tactic, uh, lying, uh, I'd like to illustrate it today with the price tag thing. Because his tactic, his first tactic, his primary tactic, actually his only tactic, is to change price tags. Now, that's an illustration of what we just read. God put a price on eating from the one tree. He said, that will cost you, you will die. And what Satan did, all he did, was change that price tag. He went to the woman and he said, no. The price tag really is, that'll be good for you. You'll be like God. You'll be wise. So it's helpful to me. I hope it's helpful to you to think of Satan operating in price tags uh, in some ways. And uh, because of that, let's talk about the economic world. And I think that'll help us get the spiritual world in just a moment. Uh, Price tags in our world, when you go shopping for something that you need or just something that you want, uh, what do you usually do pretty much first? You, you check the price tag. If there are a number of options on the shelf, uh, you kind of scan through the price tags and make a mental calculation that, oh, that's a good buy and that's not a good buy. Uh, we do all of that 
almost automatically. Uh, I say we almost always check the price tags. Sometimes I don't. You know, I, I get set on an errand. Uh, Cindy says it's stopping by some strawberries. And I'll come home with the strawberries and she'll say, how much did they cost? And I'll say, I have no idea. You know, you told me to go to get strawberries. I went to the store, there were strawberries. Uh, here are your strawberries. I don't know what they cost. Okay, so sometimes we ignore the price tags, but in general, uh, we pay attention to them. And sometimes we're real familiar with the, the item, and we look at it, and we say, boy, that is cheap. Or, yeah, that's about right. Or sometimes we look at the gas pump and say, whoa, that's a lot higher than it ought to be. Okay, so when we're familiar with things, we can make that judgment pretty quickly that uh, prices are right, wrong, or indifferent. Uh, if we're unfamiliar with the value of something, we still check the price tag. You ever been in a store, you walk along, you see something, and you think, well, that's kind of cool. Now, that usually happens in Cabela's or Shields or somewhere like that. But if you walk along and you see something, and you think, well, that'd be kind of cool. I'd like to have that. What do you do next? You, you reach over and you check the price tag. And sometimes you say, whoa, that's, that's a bargain. I can afford that. And sometimes you drop it like a hot potato, you know. God, whoa, that is way out of my league. Okay, we check price tag. That's just the way we operate. Now, if you make a mistake, if you pay the wrong price for something, let's think through that in the economic world. If you pay the wrong price, Sometimes it's inconsequential. You know, it's a dollar or two. It's no big deal. You get something and you say, well, that wasn't worth it. I shouldn't have spent that money. I did that a couple of weeks ago. I probably ought to save this for the invitation time and confess to the elders, but I bought a lottery ticket a couple of weeks ago. Okay, we were driving home from a trip and the radio was saying Mega Millions is going to pay $1.5 billion this week. And I thought, you know, I could use $1.5 billion. <laughs> I hadn't bought a lottery ticket in my life, basically. And, but we were in the convenience store, and I looked, and there were all these tickets. So I, I thought, I can spend a dollar on a lottery ticket. I said, give me one of those Mega Million tickets. Now, I almost backed out because she told me they're $2. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure it was worth $2. But a dollar, I thought I could do. So I got it, and the rest of the week, I thought, what am I going to do with $1.5 billion? <laughs> now, obviously, <laughs> I didn't win. Obviously, there's no way I was going to win. <laughs> obviously, spending $2 was a complete total, utter waste of money. But in the big picture, it's inconsequential, unless I 
get hooked and keep buying lottery tickets, but I didn't. It's worthless. My point is some things, it really doesn't matter in the economic world. But some things are costly. Some things you get for a pretty low price, you think, and then they break down all the time. They don't hold up. They're they're junk. You say, that was a bad spin. I I looked at the price tag too much and I paid too little for that. I should have bought more. Uh, Sometimes it's a great buy and the product works, but the upkeep is so expensive. You ever see a sign out on the street that said, free puppy? Okay, it's free until you got to go to the pet store, until you got to go to the vet, until all those other things happen. Okay? So some things are like that. They're very costly. And sometimes you don't know that immediately. In the short term, you think, i got a good buy here. But long term, you look back and you say, boy, I wish I hadn't have paid that for that. Okay. Uh, some things are inconsequential in the economic world. Some things are costly, and some things will bankrupt you. Okay. If you pay the wrong price for something, it can ruin you totally financially. A few years ago, 2009, I think it was, Bernie Madoff went to jail. Who's Bernie Madoff, some of you young people ask. Uh, Bernie Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in jail. He forfeited $170 billion of his money. His three homes were seized. His four boats were seized and auctioned off. Now, Bernie Madoff ran the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. He convinced people that if they would invest with him... He could pay them 10 to 20% a year, much better than the average stock market could do. And thousands of people gave him their money. He didn't invest it. He just put it in a bank account and earned money out of himself, and he used it to pay people who cashed out, which worked fine until too many people cashed out. That's a Ponzi scheme. Well, thousands of people thought they had a real bargain there. And those thousands of people lost tens of billions of dollars and lost everything they had, some of them. Okay, For years, they thought they had a great deal. But it ended up biting them in the end. Okay? And we kind of understand all of that in the economic world. We even got little sayings for it. If it sounds too good to be true... It probably is. Okay. When Bernie Madoff came to people and said, I got a deal here. You can make a lot more in the stock market just regularly. Even when the stock market goes down, you'll make money. That sounds too good to be true. But people still paid what the price tag asked. So in the economic world, we, we kind of get this. Now, what if... In the economic world, you don't have any idea what something's worth. Either the seller or the buyer doesn't know. Uh, for instance, I got a signed Willie Mays baseball card here. I'll sell it to you for $20. Okay, I got some volunteers. 
Okay, people raising their hands say, I'll do that. Okay, uh, maybe that's a good deal, maybe it isn't. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I've got an old coin here. This is an old coin, uh, says 1925 on it. Looks like it's gold. Uh, it says, well, it says $20 on it. So I'll sell you that for $20. Got more buyers now. More people say, yeah, that's a deal. Okay, see, actually, we would probably do a little more investigation, wouldn't we? Rather than what I just told you. Uh, You ever watch Pawn Stars? You know, a movie where people bring things into the pawn shop. And they say, I got this Civil War sword. And man, I've checked on eBay. It's worth $10,000. I want $10,000 for it. And the experts look at it or call in the expert and they say, no, that's a fake. It's worth $200. Or somebody brings in an old lamp and says, this belonged to grandma. I don't know if it's worth anything, but I'd like to have $400 for it. And they look it over and say, that's an original Tiffany. That's worth $10,000. Okay. When you don't know, those kind of things happen. Uh, this card I offered you for $20, uh, it's actually a picture of a Willie Mays card cut out of a magazine. Okay, it's not worth a quarter. Okay, uh, this old coin that I said says $20 on it, it is a $20 gold piece. It's also a St. Gaudens, 1925. Some say the most beautiful coin ever designed. That's worth about $2,000. Okay. When you don't know, how do you figure out if it's a good buy or not? Well, in the economic world, there's guidebooks. There's standards that you can get on almost anything. If you want to know what a baseball card's worth or what your coin is worth or what your automobile's worth, there's somebody, some experts, have put that all in a book. And for those of you that don't know what books are, it's on the internet. (laughs) You can look it all up. You can find out what things are worth. That's how I looked up my St. Godin's gold piece. uh, It's about $2,200 today. There there are people that will tell you this is what it's worth. Now, the reason I've spent all this time telling you all that is because I wanted to convince you of the importance of checking the price tag. We understand that in this economic world. Uh, You gotta know the true value of something if you're gonna get a good buy or not. Now, some of you are thinking, well, it's not quite as easy as looking in the guidebook. No, you're right. Uh, There are other things that come into economic decisions. For instance, uh, this card is really not worth a quarter But my grandson gave it to me when he was real little because he knew I liked Willie Mays. So he gave it to me for my birthday. Okay, I wouldn't sell you this for a quarter. See, I don't care what the standard says. It's worth more than that to me. So, yes, economic things are a little trickier than just looking in the guidebook. The reason I tell you that is because the good news is 
when we move from the economic world to the spiritual world, we have a very reliable standard guidebook. We've got a book that as you try to navigate life, as you make decisions, as you try to decide, is this good for me or bad for me? God himself has set a price tag on Uh, In the Bible, he tells us things are expensive, inexpensive, costly, all of that. Uh, The spectrum of things, here's just a few that I, I thought of. The Bible tells us some things are essential. They're very, very valuable. Uh, In a sense, they're priceless, sometimes the Bible says. The Bible says some things are good for you. That they'll make this life better. They'll help you live a more abundant life. The Bible's kind of neutral on some things. It just doesn't talk about some things or says that no big deal. The Bible says some things are bad for you. This will make life worse. It will bring misery to you and to everybody around you. And the Bible says some things are fatal. This will kill you. Okay? Our price guide sets those values on a lot of things. Now, back to what Satan does... And that's why I like this illustration, even though I've used it before, it, it, because it's what he does. That's all he does is take the true values and messes with them. He changes things. Okay? The things that God says are essential, Satan will downgrade or tell you that it's useless. The things that God says are good for you, Satan will tell you they're bad for you. The things that are neutral, Satan will try to get you to obsess on them and waste all your time on something that doesn't matter. The things that God says are bad for you and will bring misery to you, Satan will tell you, that's fun. That's, that'll make you like God. That kind of thing he says. Things that the Bible says are, are fatal will kill you. Satan says, it won't kill you. Okay? Now, if you don't believe me that he does that, just go back and read Genesis 3, 4 again. That's all he did. God said, here's something that's fatal. And Satan said, that's really good for you. That's how he operates. Now, obviously, when we come to a life decision, a big one, a small one, an inconsequential one. There's no cardboard tag on it that says, here's what this is worth. Okay. So how does Satan manipulate the, and change those tags? Well, he switches them around, but not on a piece of cardboard. He switches them around by having culture, the media, entertainment, Peers, churches, tell us the wrong thing. We get all this input about things that vary with what 
our guidebook says. Exactly how he goes about selling those lies is a matter for another sermon. But what I want to focus on in the few minutes we got left is, okay, why does this work? Why does this tactic of his work? He's really good at changing price tags and, and telling us things are good when they're bad and bad when they're good and all of that. He's good at that. But why does this work in the first place? And I want to point out two reasons that Satan's tactics work. One reason his tactics work, they work when we don't know the standard. Okay, If we don't know what the standard is, it's a little like the baseball card. You don't know what it's worth until you look at it a little bit. Okay? Well, if you don't know the standard... And Satan's tacticians are so effective. They've planted fraudulent uh, price tags in every movie and TV show and book and schoolroom and pulpit and kitchen table. That we hear all of this instead of what the real value is. We don't know the standard anymore sometimes. The, the standard on some very basic values is not known in this world anymore. And not only is it not known, it's attacked as a phobia. If you say, here's the standard, uh, you'd, be, you'd be attacked, you'd be prosecuted as a heretic. People don't know, so they pay whatever the price tag says. And once again, it's costly and sometimes fatal. Now, when people don't know, it's a sad, sad thing. What do we do about that? I, I don't know how you overcome the mess that we're in. I'm not sure you can at the level of lives that we deal in these days. But when we see something specifically... Someone that we know, some that we love. What's the loving thing to do? We tell them what the true value is. You know, it's hard today. I know that. But that's still the loving thing to do. Let's suppose that after church, uh, some third grader comes up to me and says, Man, I'd really like that Willie Mays baseball card. And I say, Well, okay, I'll, I'll sell it to you for $100. And Sean Litton walks past who knows something about baseball cards and he hears that. What would be the right thing for Sean to do? Well, he'd tell the third grader, son, you're being lied to. Uh, That thing's not worth that. It's not worth 20 cents. Okay? Now, that would be the right loving thing to do, wouldn't it? Okay, now, when you translate that into the messes that we're in these days, I admit it's harder and harder to even mention what a standard is, what the true value is. And that's just an indicator of how effective Satan is. That's where he's got us. Okay, but back to my point, his tactics work when we don't know the standard. So sermons ought to teach the standard. Classes 
ought to teach the standard. Homes ought to teach children the standard. Uh, The better we know the true value, uh, the better decisions we'll make in this old life. Now, I say when we don't know the standard. But do you ever see a Christian who knows the standard? Might be able to give you chapter and verse for what the true value of something is. And yet, still go seriously off course? Pay the wrong price for something? Get in a mess that later they sit back and wonder how they got there? That happens sometimes. Old saying is, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Okay? What sin will do to you. And sometimes Christians get in those situations. Uh, There's one way that happens, even when we know the standard. The second reason that Satan's tactics work is sometimes we don't want a standard. Sometimes we have decided that here's what I want. This is what this is worth to me. We got an auctioneer in here. You ever heard an auction where one person wanted something and didn't matter what the other people bid, he just kept up in the bid? He decided this is worth more than anybody else thinks. Now, I know it would be even better when you get two people like that, right? You, You get two people that really, really want something. And they just keep it up on each other. And you get crazy prices then. Okay? That has nothing to do with what the standard says. That's all about what a person has decided they want. And we do that in life sometimes. An old country song says, if loving you is right. No, if loving you is wrong, that's it. <laughs> I knew that didn't sound right. If loving you is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Okay? Mark corrected me. He's a country music expert. (laughs) If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. What's that say? I know the standard, but I don't care about the standard. I want to do what I want right now. Okay? And we do that sometimes. And sometimes it's kind of trivial, and sometimes it's very costly, and sometimes it's fatal. Talked to a lady a while back that's in a Bible study group with some uh, non-Christians, and she said they got to certain topics, and this one guest just kept saying, I know what I believe. And they'd show her the Bible and say, well, but the Bible says this. And she'd say, well... I don't care. I know what I believe. Okay. She didn't want a standard. She didn't want the standard. And sometimes that's trivial. Sometimes it's costly. Sometimes it's fatal. When I was in the business world, I remembered had this young lady that worked for me that was having marital problems and it was starting to affect her work. And so one day I talked to her about it some and I said, I know a Christian counselor. I'd be happy to talk to you about this. 
And she said, oh, no. She said, I've, I've got a counselor. I said, well, what did they tell you? She said, oh, she told me that uh, I was questioning things, so I ought to just take a break for a while, get out of the relationship, and kind of date around some and see how I felt about things later. And She didn't want to hear a Christian counselor. She was being told what she wanted to hear. Okay, And Satan's tactics work when we get in that mode, when we decide that here's what we want. All right, we're running out of time. Let's do some real quick examples to finish up. Uh, since we're analyzing tactics here, uh, watching game films so we know what our opponent's like, John told us all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Okay, uh, New Living Translation puts that a little differently. It says, all that's in the world is craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything you see, and pride in our achievements. Okay, so those three things are the big three. They're the only three that Satan uses. That's all that's in the world. So I picked three examples that kind of fit closely to those. Uh, the first one, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, chapter of faith, talking about Moses. It says, Moses chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin, the fleeting pleasures of sin. All right, right out there beside it, if you're a note taker, write pleasures of sin. That's what Hebrews eleven twenty-five is about. And that's the price tag I want to talk to you about. Uh, say, uh, Moses had a choice. Moses had a choice. He could identify as an Israelite, stand up for his people, do what was right, and be kicked out of the palace, banished, maybe killed. Or he could be the prince of Egypt and have anything he wanted. And this verse says that he looked at those two price tags and decided that this one was better. Okay. Now, the, what I want to point out about that is the pleasures of sin. Some people tell you, young folks, that sin's no fun. Don't get involved in this kind of sin because it's no fun. They're lying to you. Sin is fun. Some sins aren't fun, but most sin is fun. Wouldn't be a temptation if it wasn't fun. Okay, so a lot of sins are fun. There is a pleasure there. But what the writer of Hebrews tells us is that Moses recognized that those pleasures are fleeting. They last for a little while. And then the costs start to pile up. Okay. That's why we talked about economic things. That's the same way in the spiritual world. Some things seem like a good deal for a while. The drinker who's having a great time on Saturday night starts to realize costs pile up. At the least, he's going to have a headache the next day. It may be worse than that. It may so affect his relationship that he ends up in a divorce. 
He may, after that night of fun on Saturday night, wake up in a jail cell and be told about the DUI that killed somebody. Okay, fleeting pleasure of sin. And when we get tempted to try those price tags that say, this is going to be a whole lot of fun, read the fine print. Now, Satan erases that fine print, so it's not on there, but... The Bible tells us there's long-term consequences to sin. It's fun for a little while, but not long. Secondly, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And Matthew 16, 26 says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? Okay. Right up beside those two verses, possessions. Uh, Write wealth if you want to. Write stuff if you want to. That's what it's about. Okay. That's the, the lust of the eyes. We see things, we want it. Jesus was not talking in these verses to people that had three homes and four boats and billions of dollars. Well, we like to imagine that sometime because we're poor, but he was talking to people that lived in a tent or maybe a one-room house and had a few goats. That's what he was talking to. He told them, you beware of wanting stuff. That's not what life is about, having possessions and getting stuff. Satan takes the price tag, and on stuff, he says, this is worth a lot. This is worth your time. This is worth your family. This is worth your marriage. This is worth your health. This is worth your church. Spend all of that to get more. That's how he changes price takes. Third example, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Okay? And lots of other price tags in the Bible that says the approval of man has a value, but it's not as valuable as the approval of God. Now, culture tells us differently. Culture says that you got to please me. Peers say you got to please me. And peer pressure just doesn't exist in this little section over here. Adults have peer pressure. Uh, We succumb to it also. And we seek the approval of man. Now, as you mature, I think you get a little past that in some ways. Uh, I know most of you kids started school this week or last week pretty close. I imagine some of you kind of stressed out a little bit about your outfit, what you're going to wear. You know, I want to have the right sneakers. You know, I want to have the right label. I don't want to stand out too much, but I don't want to look out of place. I want to fit in. You think about all that. Okay? That's because of peer pressure. You want to be accepted. 
You want approval of your peers. I understand that. I went to high school. I, I know that's hard to believe. But I went to high school once. And let me tell you a secret. I, I, I kind of remember that we had styles. You know, we had fashions that were acceptable and weren't. But I could not tell you today what one of my friends wore, what kind of sneakers they had, what their label on their shirt was. I, I have no idea. What I remember today is how they treated me, who they were, what their character was like. And they're either still my friend or they aren't because of that. So as you get older, the, the approval of man in some ways gets a little bit different. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 3, it's a very small thing to me to be judged by you. <laughs> and he wasn't being arrogant. He just said, compared to God, I don't really care for your approval. If I know I'm doing the right thing and I am approved of God, then we're good. Now, Satan changes that tag and says the approval of man is worth a whole lot. Do almost anything to get the approval of the culture and those around you. Now, I said there were three things I was going to show you. I got one more. I got you a bonus because this is also a danger, I think. This is an example that will help us. Proverbs fourteen twelve. Proverb writer said, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And twenty eight twenty six says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Now, what those are saying, you write feelings out there by this. That's a good word to put by this. Sometimes we go by feelings. And the tactic works when I don't want a standard. I want what I feel. Okay? I feel this will be fun. I feel this is right. And we come up with all sorts of excuses then. People will tell you, well, I know this is probably wrong, but God wants me to be happy. Well, well you want to be happy. Uh, we let our feelings decide things. And we trust our feelings. Uh, and we listen to people who have been taken in by the wrong price tag. If you listen to them, you'll often hear, I feel. I feel. You don't hear much, I think. Feelings are good for something. I mean, God created emotions and feelings. But just like everything else God made, Satan messes with it. Satan gets it out of perspective. And feelings are one of his favorite. If he can get you to feel something, then you won't listen to the standard. Satan distorts it for the wrong purpose. Checking price tags is not a job for feelings. All right, then we could do a series on checking price tags, but let's go to the bottom line. Bottom line, you're going to be presented in life with alternate price tags. One that God established in his book of guides of the standard and one that Satan has messed with. Okay, how are you going to decide which one to pick? Here, here's a bottom line kind of idea. Jesus explained it this way. He said the thief, Satan, 
His purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. And my purpose in the NLT, he says, is to give people a rich and satisfying life. Usual translation says, I came to give them life and that more abundantly. I came to give them eternal life, but also a rich, abundant physical life on earth. Now, those are your two options. Somebody that wants to kill you, destroy you, take everything from you, or somebody that wants you to have an abundant life. Uh, obviously, the decision's easy. The application is sometimes difficult because of the, all the other things we talked about. On economic decisions, things sometimes don't really matter. They're inconsequential. Some things are very costly, and some things will bankrupt you. Same way in the spiritual world. Some things are kind of neutral. Some things are essential. Some things are fatal. And when we come to the end of our study time together, uh, we talk about that essential thing, the essential or fatal thing. It's the outcome of your soul. Now, what do you plan for eternity? You also have to check price tags on that because all the things we talked about affect where your soul will spend eternity. Satan changes the price tags. And he'll do that right now. Because I'm going to invite you, if you're not in Christ, if your sins have not been forgiven, if you want to be a child of God, I'm going to invite you to go to the back and talk to one of our shepherds and we'll help you put Christ on in baptism and... All that will happen. And as I'm saying that, Satan will be filling out a price tag in some of your heads. Satan will be saying, uh, I'm not good enough for that yet. I've got to clean some things up before I can give my life to Christ. That's a lie. Because Satan lies. In some of your heads, he'll put in there that you've got plenty of time. You don't have to do that today. Think about it a few more weeks. Well, you may have a few more weeks. You may not. But Satan promises you will. You may think, well, I have to give up this pleasure. Or I'll have to change the way I think about possessions in my life. Or what will people think? All those things we just talked about, those are set, that's Satan messing with the price tags. He's trying to get your focus off of what's truly important, and that is where you spend eternity. So I'll issue my invitation. We're going to stand and sing a song. If you need to change your life in any way, go talk to one of our shepherds. Let's stand. Let's sing.